If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 415 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Ivan Tony of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. And I always come in here and I go, we talk about a huge week in the world of mixed martial arts. This was a fucking huge week. We have three cards to get you here. We have another Irish world champion. We have a, a UFC champion and we have the GOAT to talk about as well. So let's get right to it. Before we get into all of that, we have to tell you that summer's coming. It's here. This is actually the first time. I've done a fucking podcast where I'm like sweating as I sit there and about what let me just look. It's nineteen oh no, eighteen degrees, sorry. Uh it's getting warm. So summer is in is here and are you ready to unveil your beach body yet? Well, if you aren't, Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game and changing full body grooming and hygiene products. Don't be the guy at the beach with the Austin Power chest hair. Do it right. Make sure to be hairless. It's time to get ready for Hot Guy Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVERE MMA. I know myself and Graham will be lying on the beach here pretty soon. And uh, as we prepare for that, we'll be using the Lawnmower 4.0, which is part of the performance package 4.0. Um, it is absolutely brilliant is this uh is this performance package 4.0 it comes with that um lawnmower uh, body trimmer comes with the liquid formulations it comes with the weed whacker and all of that great stuff um i love the uh, crop preserver and crop uh, and crop reviver uh, ball toner anti-chafing deodorant moisturizer because we know painful chafing can be getting to you when you're in your bathing suit all day the weed whacker as well for your nose hair get rid of them that's exactly what you need and you'll always need it has the advanced skin safe technology like the lawnmower 4.0 which is waterproof cordless um and absolutely brilliant you have two free gifts to the shed travel bag and the painted high performance um uh, reduced chafing manscaped boxers and if you're wearing sandals you'll need the uh, the shears 2.0 kit as well having the right tools for grooming is essential do yourself a favor and use the right tools for the job get 20% off and free shipping using the code severemanscaped.com it's 20% off and free shipping with the code severemanscaped.com trim your te- chesticles with the besticles Graham May is here now as well, and uh, we'd like to propose something new for our listeners, if I may. 
a new sponsor, Caldera Lab, is here to get your summer skin ready. Backed by the leading a clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experience healthier and visibly improved skin. Caldera Labs has the tool to keep your skin fresh and confident as the weather heats up this summer. Use the code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com for 20% off their best products. Calera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products by combining pharmaceutical-grade science along with the nature's purest and most potent ingredients. As you age, the, uh, you, you might notice fine lines, wrinkles, and signs of aging. It's time you take control with Caldera Lab. And to do that, use the Regimen Bundle. It has the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. Clean slate is how you start your day. It's a balancing cleanser with gentle plant-based cleansing, leaving all your skin types exceptionally refreshed. The base layer there is a, uh, a nutrient-dense fortifying moisturizer that hydrates your skin and absorbs fast, leaving you a matte finish so you can start your day confidently. And in the good is your go-to at night before you go to bed. It's clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as helping visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Uh, if you want to take your uh, skin to the next level, Caldera Lab, then look no further than the icon. It uh, is a rejuvenating eye serum that addresses the three main uh, most common skin concerns around the eye, and that's fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Caldera Lab is committed to transparency, sustainability, and excellence. It's on a mission to make men's skincare better around the world, priding itself on clean ingredients and doing right by their customers to uncompromising craftsmanship, exceptional ingredients and rigorous transparency. Caldera Lab is here to upgrade your skin and confidence. So get 20% off with the code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using the code SEVEREMMA. Take your skincare to the next level this summer with Caldera Lab. Right, Graham, where to start, where to start? Uh, let's start with Caelan Loughran, because I, I feel like, well, look, we're an Irish MMA podcast, we, we have to talk about the uh, the Irish MMA guy first, though, I think, because, do you know what? It was it was the most dominant of all, so we had kind of three bantamweight, I know the the, the one championship one was was, was flyweight, but we three bantamweight-ish um uh, title fights in the three events this weekend, and obviously you know Cage Warriors. We we, we know what Cage Warriors is. It's the the show to get to the big show, absolutely. But who won most dominantly? Who won in the most exceptional fashion out of all three of them? You know, and uh, I'm not saying Caelan Lockhart's better than Demetrius Johnson Alderman Sterling here, but the answer is Caelan Lockhart. It was an absolutely brilliant performance, like only. The way that Caelan Lochran does it, we've spoken about his style now for the last few years here. You know, looking at uh, looking at his fights, he has this odd, brilliant style that I honestly I'm not sh- I'm not sure it should work in MMA, but by God, it fucking does. He uses his style so well. He just put a beating on Dylan Hazan, and I was so impressed. And we'll get into the fight, Graham, but. Uh, this was a mesmeric performance, wasn't it? It was absolutely brilliant from Caelan Lockwood. Were you as impressed as I was with it? 
Yeah, it was a brilliant performance, a brilliant domination uh, that got more dominating as it went on. Like in the first round, Hazan did throw a few shots and land a few shots, but they just weren't coming with the same force and and meanness as the the Lochran, um strikes were coming out. He was mixing it up really well. He was making it difficult, always being in his face. And yeah, I thought um, you know there was a lovely uh, straight kick up the middle that he landed uh, uh, early on and was was using again. And he, he just mixed it up and kept him guessing and. Uh, kept kept his opponent on the back foot and really kind of took the fight away from him, uh, especially as the fight went on. He got more dominant and the finish was very nice too. Mixing uh, the uppercut that hurt him and then a couple more punches and another big uppercut that was pretty much the end. And yeah, it was a good stoppage and a really, really dominant performance. And, uh, you know, he's probably ready to go into the UFC, but I probably, you know... I always kind of take the careful, like to take the careful route with Irish prospects and getting a couple of more more fights under his belt as Cage Warriors champion. Even though he was so dominant uh, with his finish and all that, I think would probably be better for for his longevity inside the UFC. Like we look at Reese McKee, like uh, talking to himself afterwards, saying that he thought he was ready, but he probably wasn't ready the first time, especially to go in on short notice and things like that. So. Uh, I think there's no real rush here. He's still early in his career. He's still only recently stepped up against high. A level competition even though he's blown through them and looked fantastic I, and is probably ready for the UFC I don't think there should be a rush I could not agree more I think you're exactly right like I think the biggest problem Cage Warriors and Ian Dean will have is finding someone to, to actually fight him or to, to, to fight towards the level of Kellen Lochran but that's they will find someone there's no problem that, that way either and I think uh, two fights I think would be enough two more fights to defend the belt a couple of times and and then go on but that's I suppose a conversation maybe for another day if he got to the UFC no I don't think well, well that's the conversation that happens straight away after you yeah, win a cage where his belt is he going to the UFC is yeah. he sticking around you know that's historically been it even though maybe it's a little bit more up in the air now as we've talked about with you know we have Reese McKee we have Paul Hughes and we have now Kalen as the the Cage Warriors champions and historically probably at least one of them if not two of them would would have been a sure thing for the UFC but now it's it's murky yeah and I, I think with Kalen this is his first appearance at the big stage right whereas Paul Hughes is kind of around it for a good while he won it he won the interim belt and he won the belt and he was you know Reese McKee obviously was at the, the UFC and he was at a title stage what three or four years ago at this stage now and now he's obviously back at it again and you know so it's it's a little bit different but on actually back to the fight itself anyway because like it's uh, I just I just think this was a, such a destructive performance because like the, the look the first round was close but you look at it and like Kalen's shots were just having so much more of an effect than Hazan's and like Hazan is a very good fighter and I was predicting this I thought it'd be a longer fight I thought Hazan would do well I, I did pick Kalen coming into it but I, th- I thought it'd be a much tougher fight maybe go late but the second he landed that front kick yeah, I was going to say that he was actually dazed after that. I think yeah. it probably would have he probably would have put up more of a fight if he hadn't have been rocked so badly for an extended period of time from that that kick straight up the middle. It, I I'm glad you said that because I'm of the exact same mind. I was talking to someone about. I was like, I think that fight was over from that point, and it's. Do you know what? This is great credit to Dylan Hazan because the fact that he fucking stuck in there for probably another, what, four minutes-ish of a fight against Kellen Lochran, who was on point, is is a credit to him. And I think if Kellen does go to UFC, Dylan Hazan will be right back in there because he's a damn good fighter as well, so take nothing away from him. But 
Kalen just made him pay all night. And like, as you said, Graham, Dylan Hazan was landing a lot of shots. This is probably the most shots Kalen has ever uh, taken in a fight. And he, you know, he'll obviously go back and he'll look at that as well and, and try to, uh, try, try to change things up. But it's, he was only he only had seven fights before this, and only what like four or five were actually real fights. You know, we we know it. The, the, the He's been fighting part. professionally three and a half years. Yeah. You know, at the start he was fighting kind of guys who you you know expect to beat. It's only been the last what year and year and two months that he's taken, or not even what he took a step up in June twenty twenty two. It's amazing. Uh, it's you know, a year amazing. ago. Yeah. It's crazy, like where he's gotten in so in such a quick time. And like, I think he's one of these guys that like truly believes in his style, and it shows. You know, I, I was actually talking to Reese the other day. I'll have an interview coming out over in Shardog this week, and I think he's one of the guys as well. You know, we've talked so long about uh, about Reese and he, you know him being comfortable and calm in there. I I don't think Kalen is necessarily as calm in there, but uh, Jesus, he's as comfortable and he's comfortable in his own skin. He's comfortable with his style and you can really, really see it because it takes balls to fight in that way and fight in a type of a different way. Like where he's kind of throwing short leg kicks and short front kicks up through the middle and all of that. And even when he does take a shot or two, he still sticks to his game and still does it the way he wants to do it. And I, God almighty, I, I, like, I, I had questions about whether it's possible that that game can, can take him, you know, to, even to here. But by God, he's proven, and not that he's proven me wrong. I just had questions like, oh, I can't wait to see that. And the fucking, what I have seen has been very, very, very good. Um, I, I, I honestly like I, I think that first round it's one of those ones where like oh yeah you, you toss a coin kind of who won it but uh, like it's hard not to give that to Kalen for the effect that his strikes have but that doesn't matter because that first round set up the second round because when Hazan took yeah, a lot maybe, of shots maybe if you missed the, the kind of kick with the middle and thought yeah. it was like a body shot rather than like a kind of concussive shot then maybe you know you'd look at the round completely differently yeah I like I think Hazan, uh, so he took that big hard shot. He was basically out of it for the rest of the fight. Not necessarily out of it for the rest of the fight, but was hurt for the rest of the fight. And then Lochran, like, put one shot, two shot, three shot. Four, and it was about the sixth time he hit him with a big hard shot, I think, that Hazan was just like, oh, there's, there's no more here. Like, and I think if he hadn't landed that first big shot and he'd landed those, say, six big shots, I think Hazan probably would have kept going. But it was... It was like, you know, people always, I remember Patrick Wyman, who was one of the best analysts in the game back in the day. Uh, he's overdoing his history podcast now. Uh, check that out. But he used to always say about McGregor that he, and uh, look, obviously he's one punch knocked out Josie Aldo not, but he was more of like a, he'd knock you out in six or seven punches over two or three rounds kind of a fighter. And I think Kenan Lochran's a little bit like that as well, you know? He'll hit you hard, hurt you. Hit you hard again, hurt you. Hit you hard again, hurt you. And keep coming like a fucking dynamo. He never stops just fighting at that sort of hurtful pace. And it's weird because, like, I, I keep mentioning his style. And anyone who watches him, you know, and watch other 135-pounders can see he's not, like, he's not moving around. And I, I funny I call him a dynamo. He's not the Demetrius Johnson type of dynamo. He's a power dynamo. You know, he just, <laughs> he conserves his energy for all, the, like, like say maybe a Yoel Romero at 135 pounds or something like that. And he's, it works so fucking well for him. And Azan was not able to stand up to it because as well, when you're throwing all your best shots and landing some of them against Kalen and they have zero effect on him and his shots are hurting you every single time, it must be so tough 
Imagine being in a Did that was the case or he couldn't even kind of get the forward momentum to kind of get his game going the way he would like to. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was a bit of both. I, yeah, yeah I, I I agree. I don't think Dylan Zan got his game going the way he'd want to. Like, we must talk about Kellen Lockhart's takedown defense as well. Absolutely unbelievable. Like, Jose Aldo time. I talked about McGregor earlier. This is just, I, 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 maybe people think I'm going overboard here, but go and watch the fight. It was fucking brilliant. But you're, you are right. But he, having that said that, Credit to Hazan because he did land big shots. There's no doubt about that. He uh, he didn't get his game going. He didn't get his wrestling. He didn't get the forward momentum. He didn't... I, I would say he probably wasn't happy with one second of that fight tactically. He was probably happy with a few times he hit uh, Kalen, but they didn't really do anything. Like They really, really didn't. And it, it was a, a real destruction, I think. It was just so good. So good. And... Uh, like, what, what a time though it's been, Graham, for, you know, Ulster MMA, but Irish MMA in general. Like, I put out a tweet yesterday, and I probably forgot loads of people, but if you think about it, right, Caelan Lochran is the champion now. And so he's 135, 145 Paul Hughes. We could have Joe McCallaghan at 155 if he stuck around, you know, and 170 Reese McKee. Absolutely unbelievable. But you think about it even outside of that. Danny McCormick is a champion in Invicta. Sean Bannon is the number one contender. You know, Sinead Kavanaugh is arguably the number one contender over in Bellator. Lee Hammond is in tough. Uh, Kiefer Crosby's on the verge of signing for the UFC. Uh, Ian Gary's fighting next week. We'll obviously talk about that later on. If he wins that fight, he could be on the verge of the top 15 as well. Like... They're, you know, Peter Queeley ranked in Bellator. James Gallagher are probably on the verge of being ranked again if he fights towards the end of the year or whatever. And there's probably a few people I'm, I'm forgetting about. Or, you know, Liam McCourt is ranked. Always there, thereabouts. Put on a great uh, display against uh, against Katzingano. And all the up-and-comers like your your Derek Kelly's, your Kenny Mokahanas. Look at um, <clears throat> Franz Malambo has a massive fight coming up here in PFL and many more as well. She's a great fucking time for Irish MMA. It's absolutely brilliant. And like, it's, it's great to be, you know, covering this and that the fact that the lads in the old triangle started at a great time. And a lot of people stopped talking about Irish MMA. A lot of people wrote off Irish MMA saying, oh, it's gone. The golden age is gone. Our golden goose is gone. And we have nothing. There's nothing else. Nothing left. Oh, we'll, you know, we'll talk about Leon Edwards. We'll talk yeah. about, well, there, you know, there definitely was hard times and then there was like problems and there was COVID and there was a lack of shows and stuff. But now it does seem to have come back strong. And these guys that have been waiting to get fights are, are raring to go and raring to prove themselves. And, you know, cage wires being back, the the Bellator shows, uh, PFL coming, you know, it's it's it, it definitely is. It's really picked up and it's exciting times. And these guys are proving that proving that they're ready. You know, we, we have the the three champions in cage wars, as you said. Ian Gary, recent champion, has gone to, to the UFC, uh, as you mentioned. Joe McCulligan, like retired or like vacated the the cage warriors belt. And all, so as you said, everything Lee Hammond on tough, you know, that's going to bring that tough has uh, been kind of in the shadows. That might bring, it's yet to be seen what, what the interest will be in that, but uh, that could bring some big interest there as well. Obviously, Connor's going to be on that. He's going to be fighting Chandler afterwards. So, yeah, this is, um, this is a really, really good time for Irish MMA. And, you know, uh, it's probably not going to live up to the same kind of fairy tale that happened before with, with, with the kind of first generation, but it's, this is our own, this is a new story. This is our own path. And it, it doesn't have to, to live up to the kind of mania of the other thing to be, to be yeah, but fantastic like, in its own right. It's never going to be Connor. You take away Connor though. And what we have now is better than what we had before. Like if you think about it, it really is like, when did, when did Ireland have 
three champions at the moment. And also, right, I, I said all the weight divisions. Fucking James Webb, an Irish trained fighter, is fighting for the middleweight title coming up. There could be it could be fucking packed with Irish trained champions. And now Kellen is trending in the UK, so maybe we should we should uh, say that as well, although he does a bit of training in Ireland as well. But it's um I just think it's a, it's a brilliant time, and it's like, and I, that's no disrespect to likes of Kyle Binder, Rashing Daly, or, or or Paul Redmond, or Norman Park, whoever it might be. Well, they they led the way, like yeah. absolutely. Just, yeah. But the, we have that level again now. Forget about Connor; no one's ever going to reach Connor in worldwide MMA. But after that, like those three lads who are champions at the moment, could all be signed right now. Lee Hammond and Kiefer Crosby could all be signed right now. And, like, that's not a thing to me saying, oh, you know, I'm being wishful or anything. Like, that literally could happen. And I think we're in a great fucking place. And, even like, even if it doesn't, even if one, only one or two of them or whatever, and uh, the other lads have to maybe fight again and then come back, we're at, they're at that level anyway. And we know they're at that level. It's, fu- it's absolutely brilliant to see. And, uh, like, it's... F- Fair play to everyone who's like stuck around and, 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 you know, from the fighters to the coaches to the, the very few media who stuck around and done it too. Because it, as you said, it was hard during the fucking pandemic and ju- when there's no fights and all of that. And like, it's very hard for the fighters to come up when there's no amateur fights and when there was no pro fights and nothing going on to get that fucking lift to the next level. And by God, have they stuck at it and have they done it? And it's absolutely brilliant to see. I like it's it's hard. Like we're uh, objective uh, media members here and all as well, but it's hard not to be fucking proud when you see people from your own country who, who you know how tough it's been on them reach that level. And I saw a lot of people at the weekend say, "Jesus Christ, Kaelin Locker," and it's you know it's fucking brilliant watching. And you like we couldn't hide it. We were on fight pass the last <laughs> last week, Graham, when Reese McGee jumped into the crowd, and we were both smiling, even though your laptop went flying. But it was uh, you know it's it's hard, it's hard to hide it. it. And like I'm I'm happy for Aljamain Sterling as well. And I'm happy for Dimitri Johnson and all. But God Almighty, what uh, what a brilliant time for Irish MMA. And like uh, you know, I'm not talking about the beef today. People, you know, these petty little bitches can talk about that beef. But, like, I can't wait for a Bellator to come and for it to be a great card and for Irish guys to win on that and climb to the next level. Same with PFL. I hope they all get the fucking million or the 100,000 or what it is and get to that next level. And Cage Warriors as well. And the UFC. It's, oh, it's brilliant. Brilliant. No fucking negativity today, Graham. All positivity. But fucking class. Brilliant. I want to say a rising tide lifts all it is. ships. It does that, indeed. Is that me buttering it or is that No, no, say? that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, we will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll touch on the, the, the rest of the cage warriors a little bit here. Darren Stewart had a good win um, over Leon Aliu. Janice Bashier got a fucking brilliant win over Carlo Pedro's Holly, although they both tired badly there. Um, have you seen this? Gerardo Fanny, Tanio Pagliariccio, Tim Graham, uh, John Kavanagh put up a tweet saying it should be uh, made into a disqualification. Well, it, it would have to be a no contest at this stage. There should have been a disqualification at the time. It was a weird one again. We had one like this last week with Takamandu in a different sort of a different sort of way. But so Pagliariccio took a knee, um, an Ill- clearly illegal knee. He was given a bit of time. Um, the fight went on and then at the end of the second there was a retirement and you know it was kind of like what happened I felt like he had double vision or something I haven't heard yet but I I feel like this one is a little bit different to the Taka one because the referee had made the mistake in the Taka one like it was Fanny who did the, the foul here the referee looked at him assessed him Pagliariccio kind of like he, he wouldn't have been put back in there if he you know and I know it's 
when a guy is concussed as he might have been or whatever that's not a you know maybe the referee or the doctor should have assessed that and said was he a checked by the doctor he wasn't checked by the doctor at all I, no. I don't know I don't, actually well I uh, was he checked by surely was checked by the doctor was he I'll have to go back yeah, and watch it actually. if he wasn't then he, he definitely should have been and that's that's definitely a problem you know he could yeah. have been concussed he could have been not seeing properly you know rugby football fighters if you ask them are you okay to continue they're all going to say yes even if they're not you know we see it time and time again over the years you need a independent like TIA as they call it in rugby or whatever or concussion kind of doctor or somebody who understands about concussions doctor to come in and take a look and say okay I think you're okay to continue or you're not so if that didn't happen it should have happened at the time I actually can't remember uh, if the doctor saw him or not uh, looked at him or not right so I just uh, I just paused it there we went to look because that's an important thing the doctor did come in um, Tanya said he was alright to continue the doctor said he was alright to continue so it's look it, it's a tough one as I said it, it didn't look terrible but you never you actually you never know but like for the doctor for the referee when it doesn't look terrible it's very hard to put anything on them like and yeah I, I, I if that was reviewed by an, a board or whatever I don't think that one is getting turned around. It's very unfortunate, but yeah. look, that's the way. You know, in rugby, they kind of, they, they, uh, I know this is a different sport, but they take them off for like a, f- a couple of minutes at least and kind of do a test on them. Maybe like in these circumstances, there needs to be like a provision where there is a certain amount of time taken to do like a concussion protocol to see if they are okay to continue in, in the in the event of an illegal strike. Like, you know, maybe that's something that could be, could be brought in the future, uh, you know, to kind of combat concussions. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if that would take too long, or, or the, how many fingers am I holding up thing enough? Like, I, I honestly don't know. Maybe it's a thing we need to, uh, you know, if there's any doctors out there, let, let us know. Um, yeah, they're probably holding up two or three fingers, so you have probably a 50-50 chance of getting the right, even <laughs> yeah, if you can't right, see. Yeah. Seven. Um, other than that, yeah, it was it was an interesting card. A lot of the Italian guys got to win a big win for Sam Creasy as well, uh, who I think he needed that and he got a good win over over Lupoli. So he's back in the mix there at 125 pounds uh, as well. Dario Bellati got a win uh, too. So uh, good night again for Cage Warriors. Right, let's move on and let's talk about UFC 288, Graham. Um, it was... <sighs> Someone asked me last week about um the upcoming pay-per-views and um <clears throat> I, I was like um oh no they're, they're actually really good they're pretty good and you know and they were kind of saying they were bad and i was like no they're pretty good this this was not great it really wasn't i think recently with a lot of the pay-per-views we've come into them and not a lot of the cards even look a lot of the cards deliver most of the pay-per-views deliver this one not so much. I, I saw someone tweeting last night. The most fun moment of the main card was Mirab Jashvili stealing uh, <laughs> stealing Sean O'Malley's jacket. Two lads who aren't even fighting, and uh, yeah, they had uh, there was something to be said for that. All right, but yeah, the the top two fights kind of damn squibs. Uh, great well, one like for- in fairness to the Gilbert Burns fight, maybe you know the first round was pretty competitive, especially up until he seemed to lose all ability to, to use his left side of his uh, his arm and hand. So that was a bit unfortunate. I think it probably would have been a more competitive, uh, more exciting fight if he if he had kind of a left side attack and Bala Muhammad didn't just kind of circle that way the whole time and be kind of out of danger. Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely did help, but. I don't know. I, I we might as well talk about that fight first, as you you brought it up. Um, like 
as you said, the first round was was close. Bilal probably hit him the harder, landed some body shots, and towards the end of the round, landed more shots as well. He got injured in the second round, but I I don't know. I, I think like, it was the first round he got injured, wasn't it? Was it maybe, maybe it was, but like you have you have to get through that. Like I I don't know. Like how many? I remember GSP back in there. What fight was it where one of his arms was fucked? And you like you have to get through those sort of things. I I don't know. You find different ways. Get the fight to the ground. Get a takedown. But like Gilbert, just his whole demeanor changing. And it's easy for me to say absolutely. But we're talking about the best fighters in the world in one of the top two or three best divisions in the world. You have to fucking hold them to a high standard here, right? And like to be fair now Gilbert at least Gilbert had an excuse what was Bilal's excuse although he did look injured coming into it he was fucking limping around he had a big swollen ankle on him he didn't look in great shape and I know he took it in short notice it it was one of those fights where and like to be fair as I said both lads look compromised and it looked like that sort of fight as well like Bilal was changing stances and he was making it very hard for Gilbert to, to land anything but just like it just turned into that fight for the whole night like uh Gil- you know, once, once Bilal realized in the fourth round it took him ages to realize that uh yeah. Burns had something wrong with his left shoulder or arm or whatever he started like absolutely <laughs> battering the the kicks at the at the arm which is obviously you know a good tactic if you're trying to win the fight and trying to position yourself for a title shot and you, you got to do it and I take no qualms with that but uh I was surprised it actually took him that long to realise that there was nothing coming from the left hand, left uh, side of, of Gilbert. Yeah, and even before that, though, I thought it, the, the best thing about this fight was the, the tactical awareness, I think, of Bilal. The fact that he made himself a moving target, the fact that um, he was very, very varied in everything he did and was able to land lots of shots with that, you know, that kind of... Uh, close in Dagestani boxing as I like to call it now you know training with Habib and Makhachev and them over the last year or so I think he did it uh, fairly well um, not much of a takedown threat from him not, it was you know um, that takedown that um, Gilbert did get and I know they didn't call it a takedown but it was definitely a fucking takedown he got injured from it so there was basically no more of them after that and then it kind of just I have my notes here. I just stopped taking notes when I got to round five. <laughs> like, ah, oh, yeah, it wouldn't have fired. Fair play to him. Um, look, it was, and it's 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 hard to say because it was a good win and a great win and a great performance from Bala. Well, a great win from Bala Mamed. A very good performance. A very smart performance. But it's also one of those ones like where. You know, even I was joking, well, maybe Colby did deserve it. <laughs> you know, and I like a lot of yeah, the fans. I was just thinking it. he's probably lucky that Dana White kind of already yeah. announced that it would be for the for the number one contendership because, well, he might still pull the rug on that one, but it, it puts a little bit more pressure on him to actually give the fight. You could see Dana White sometimes after after a fight that isn't doesn't really live up to the excitement that he's really down on the fighters and may kind of overlook them. So hopefully on for Bilal's uh, sake that doesn't happen, but it seems like it's, it's a set in stone as a... As things can be in in the UFC, yeah, and me, like I might sound like I'm being too negative on Bilal here, and I I, I am in a way, but like he deserves great credit. Well, if, for... if, if Colby had a fought Gilbert Burns, you know, and an injured Gilbert Burns had done the same thing, you'd probably be say, saying the same yeah. thing. You're in a difficult position. Gilbert Burns is still dangerous, but you haven't compromised, and you're just kind of doing the smart thing and just taking the the victory. The, the the injury to Burns was actually probably the worst thing for Bilal because if he hadn't been injured and Bilal had just kind of 50-45 him or whatever 
uh, I think a lot of people would have said like okay Gilbert way too tentative or whatever but fair play to Bilal made him that way and he did make him that way in the first two rounds like uh, he really really did and he made him that way for the whole fight really but um, the injury did change things and it did make it a little bit more messy and a little bit less impressive and that's unfortunate for Bilal it really is but take nothing away from the uh, his tactical performance and look he's right up there he's going to be the, the next in line after Colby so look he deserves it he's won enough fights to, to deserve that there but I I, I think Gilbert, um, Gilbert Melendez Gilbert Barnes is at a real interesting point in his career because I kind of predicted the tentativeness coming into it because of the way he fought against Masvidal. I thought there was very worrying signs in that fight. Like, you're you're a guy who takes the initiative, who throws lots of big shots, who gets the fight to the ground. You need to fight that way. And when you don't fight that way against someone like a Masvidal, like, and he won, fair play to him, it'll either, like, make you say, okay, I need to fight this way all the time, or it'll... kind of be hard to get out of fighting in that fashion and I thought that was really the case here like I I joked he looked like Douglas Lima but like that's probably the worst thing you could ever say about someone that they look like Douglas Lima the way he fights now just like stands there throws nothing and just waits and was once such a great fighter I I fear that's what Bilal is now or uh, what Burns is now maybe it, too it, could, it could be the case but you know he's coming off a tough camp uh, more than likely against Masvidal maybe he didn't give his body enough time to heal you know that shoulder obviously maybe, maybe that was a part of you know he, ideally or usually he would have had time to rest that shoulder uh, maybe it was a previous injury or something you know just too much time putting in hard work and not giving yourself a break turning around too quickly that could be part of it as well why why he did look kind of sloppy but maybe maybe it is that he's his best days are behind him, but with a shoulder injury and a quick turnaround and the kind of factors around it, I, I'd I'd be more of the wait and see in this next next fight or two. Indeed. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about the main event. Um, how did you score it, Graham? First of all, I'll, I'll throw it straight over to you because like there was a little bit of controversy I think about this, but mm. I didn't think there should have been. What, what way did you score it? I scored the first, third, and fourth for uh, Sterling. And the second and fifth for Cejudo. I think the second was really close, like, you know, really close. But I I leaned Cejudo in that one just about. But going into the fifth round, I thought he needed a finish. And, you know, his corner told him that he kind of didn't (laughs) nearly, that he just needed to win the round. So maybe things could have been a little bit different. Maybe he would have went for it more. And uh, I don't think the finish was really ever nearly there, though, having said that. But... You know, maybe the fourth round he would have put it on the gas more if his if his corner hadn't told him he was two one up when he was when he was likely two one down. But I saw some people did have him two one up going into the the fourth round, so it, yeah, there was a bit of kind of uncertainty about about how the, the rounds are being scored. But for me, it was it was forty eight forty seven Sterling. Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I saw. Some I think you can make more of a case for forty nine forty six Sterling than you can for forty eight forty seven. I hundred uh, percent agree. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. It's one of those fights before we even get into the intricacies of the scoring or anything. I, I think if you look at that fight, not, not to go full one championship or anything here, but you look at that fight like as a whole and think who was the better fighter. If Sahudo had won that fight, I, did, I genuinely think it would have been a fucking travesty. Like, Sterling was like just by far and away the better fighter. Like, by far and away. But in and terms it, of the scoring, it was pretty close. It you know, was. Third round, if he had, like, one or two different things had happened, it, it could have been a rightful uh, scorecard for Henry. Yeah, so, and I think all three judges did give him the, the, the third round. Um, 
I actually didn't give him the third round. I didn't either. So, yeah, you know, it's definitely close enough that you can make a case, I think. Oh, you can make a case, yeah. And, like, Sterling won the fight because one judge gave him the fifth round. Now, not alone, obviously, but if that one judge hadn't given him the fifth round, he wouldn't have won. So, that's, you know, some two wrongs don't make a right. But in this case, I think they did. (laughs) Because if, God almighty, if that hadn't happened and and Suda would have won, I think you're... I'm not I don't know if I'd go as far as robbery but I think it'd be it wouldn't be great like it really wouldn't be great you can argue rounds like I'll just run through the rounds maybe from from what I saw I thought in the first round Alja was very aggressive but Cejudo wasn't panicking you know in the clinch Henry Cejudo was like much stronger he threw him to the ground but he didn't land anything didn't do anything Alja got up landed some nice shots Henry was trying to counter uh, and landed a couple but I think the takedown from Aljo with the knees were the, the deciding factor in that round and I think he, he like that's an Aljo round there it was a close there round there was a couple of good early shots as well from, from Aljo from Angela, at there the was, start. yeah there was um, in the second round and I want to talk more about this in a second but it was all one shots from Aljo and it was working so well for him constantly moving in and out Cejudo was landing a little bit more but I don't think it was enough I saw a lot of people scoring this round for Cejudo I I think people go and watch that back. Uh, Jesus, I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Third very, was very close now, to be fair. Big knee uh, from Henry landed, and he landed one nice right hand down through the middle uh, as well. Got into like the headlock position, but uh, Aldo was, uh, sorry, Aljo was picking him off. There was a bit of a clinch. Aljo kind of got a takedown towards the end as well. And there was, a, there was a few rounds where like Henry got a takedown towards the end, Aljo got a takedown, and none of them really made any of They were very quickly to call. Aljo's kind of tripping out of the leg and uh, Cejudo being on one knee kind of against the cage at yeah. takedown. Like, I know it doesn't really matter, but no, like, weird, in terms yeah. of the scoring or anything, but the commentary booth were very quickly to uh, try and award Aljo at so, a takedown, I thought. So bad on me. The fourth round, the fourth round was close for about three minutes and Aljo like clearly pulled away, I think, in the, the fourth round. And in the fifth, I think the fifth was the same. It was close. It was, so it was Henry Early. Aljo in the middle and then Henry late. I, I think it was a pretty clear Henry round though as well. Uh, Henry was pressing. He was pressing well but not really landing much. And then Aljo was kind of picking him up and didn't re- land anything big. There was another big right hand from, from Henry. I think that was probably Henry's best shot of the night in that fifth round. He landed a few knees in the clinch as well, which were very, very good. He got the takedown, took the back. There was nothing there, but it was it was definitely Henry's round. But yeah, I like I, I had it... Uh, 4-0 for Aljo going into the 5th and I think Henry won the 5th um, and it was uh, I really uh, honestly I, I think it would have been it would not have been right if Cejudo had won that fight and it, it, uh, it, it went the right guy won the fight without a shadow of a doubt just on the on the tactics itself I thought and like I have to shout out Ray Longo what a fucking career that man has had and you know through three generations of the sport he's had champions and again here now a champion who's defending his belt uh, you know multiple times and now he's Marab coming up as well and we'll talk about Frivola in a few minutes as well huge credit to Ray Longo and Matt Serra like what absolutely brilliant coaches they are it has to be said to have a small team and you know not to, probably not the most money and stuff in the world to, to achieve what they have but I thought the tactics of Aljamain Sterling were absolutely fantastic because we, we talked in the previous show and myself and Harry and Ian all kind of like muse like which fights do we watch in the past to actually like decipher what's going to happen here because no one had ever fought someone similar to Henry for Aljo Aljo for Henry and I think it was the Marais fight that I picked out, and I think um, 
I think the lads picked it out as well, where Henry was constantly countering every time Marab would throw uh, combinations. And I think what Aljo did, he watched that fight and he was throwing, I said it, he was throwing one shot at a time. When he threw the one shot early, it was pulling counters from Henry. But Aljo was throwing the one shot, getting straight back out, and Henry was hitting fresh air over and over and over again. And by the time the second, third, fourth round game, Aljo wasn't throwing half as, or sorry, Henry wasn't throwing half as much. Aljo was just picking. I, I kept using the phrase picking him apart there in my notes and, uh, and when talking about the fight. I really believe he was picking him apart because Henry wasn't throwing anything back because he knew there'd be no second, third, fourth shot there in combination from Aljo. It was all the one shot in and out sort of stuff. And I think that was a brilliant tactical display by Aljamain Sterling to fight like that because it's very tough to fight like that. You know, you have probably have the commentary saying, oh, you need to throw in combinations. Din Thomas, who's probably the worst analyst in the fucking history of MMA, coming on, he needs to throw in combination. And, like, he doesn't need to throw in combination. He's doing exactly what he needs to do, and he was doing it very, very well. And yeah, he was frustrating Henry in terms of the distance, and that was what was winning him the, the round. So if he starts throwing longer combinations, you know, it, it, that, that changes that. So, yeah, he definitely stuck to a game plan. And, you know, it looked at one stage, like, he, to me, like, he, he was starting to get tired early on I don't even I can't remember exactly maybe even in the end of the second round or the third round but he you know he got a second wind and you know to fight at that intensity and to be moving that much it's a difficult thing to do and you know you make you make a small mistake or you slow down too much against Henry and you can be in trouble so like all around it was a it was a brilliant performance and you as you said sticking to a game plan really well you know despite the rounds being close he he believed in the game plan and what he was doing and you know listened to his coaches in the corner who as you mentioned gave some really good advice and uh yeah just it was a close fight they were close rounds but yeah i think the you know most people would agree that the right guy got the got the nod and i think sticking to the game line after being taken down heavily you know in the first round is a big thing as well because we've you know we've seen fights before where people go out with a game plan you know they get punched in the face or they get taken down or something happens and they no longer have that game plan in their heads they, they go to plan b or whatever it might be or fighting off instinct and he didn't do that there was so kind of a one stage though where he was kind of shooting spamming takedowns kind of from the outside uh the henry was easily defending he got away from that like but if he like maybe that was one moment where he kind of or one period where he kind of got away from the game plan a little yeah. bit i think there was the fight did delve into that a little bit it kind of got a bit scrappy for like moments but I, like i think you kind of have to do that maybe two at times it calls for how did you think uh how do you think Sahudo looked overall after being out for three years yeah, he did look a little bit rusty. You know, it is hard coming back. It's always very interesting when a guy comes back. I find it very interesting anyway. When a guy comes back who hasn't kind of been like, you know, beaten out of the sport, like 10 losses in a row or whatever, needs to retire, comes back. I'm not really too interested. But when a guy kind of on the top uh, of the game retires and comes back three years later, it's, it's, a, it's a hard one to judge. And it depends on, you know, how much he's been in the gym and, you know, keeping to the, to the training levels that you need to, you know, go up against an Aljamain Sterling at a, at a higher weight class than you fought most of your career. And although he was the champion there, it's still a big ask, especially after three years. And maybe his timing was off a little bit and he did tire a little bit more than we've seen him in the, in the past, but that was down to the high intensity from Aljo as well. So yeah, it's hard to know how much of it was the layoff, but his timing uh, did seem a little bit off. Yeah. I, I found it hard to tell, to be honest, because because of the way Aljamain fought, really, um, I didn't. I didn't think he. The uh, uh, timing a little bit off, yeah, but I didn't think he looked bad. I, I think he looked good. I think it was like, um, 
uh, was it the best Henry you've ever seen? No, but was it a bad Henry or anything like that? No. So yeah. like I, if he had come back, like you know, and fought a kind of a warmer fight, uh, and yeah. been in the, in the condition and ability he was, he would have he would have probably won easily, and he would have been in another camp for this fight, and it probably would have been the, the the kind of safer way to go to to give yourself the best chance of beating beating Aljo. But obviously, you know, he he backed himself and was was quite close and all that, but. Yeah, I t- definitely think uh, a little bit of a little bit of um, rustiness from from the layoff showed. I think it's all like Aljamain has had lots of fights where he hasn't got the full amount of credit for them, and I think this is one he should get a lot of credit for. Like he he beat the guy and beat him well, yeah, and that, that Henry Cejudo would beat nearly everybody, yeah, even exactly. you know, after the layoff. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I I think he deserves the credit for it and fair play to him. Like it was it was a very, very good win and it was it was a weird uh, the New Jersey crowd were fucking weird. I couldn't get a I couldn't get a, a call on them at all. I'm like, do these li- lads like Aljo? And they were you know, he's kind of the local guy, but they he's seemed not to a, like Aljo, but then they started cheering for, yeah, Henry. for Henry at one stage. <laughs> so yeah. They kinda hate themselves, I think. I don't know, they're uh, they're a weird crowd, them all them all New Jersey lads, but yeah, look anyway, a great win for Henry and Sean O'Malley came in afterwards and said Marab robbed his jacket. It's a very interesting division because, like, Marab might be the best fighter in that division, but he can fight Aljo. So Aljo's fighting uh, Sean O'Malley. And, like, there's so much talent. Like, Perry and the fact he's not even in the conversation anymore is fucking mad. And, you know, we'd Aldo there not too long ago. And we have Sandhagen, who's a brilliant fighter. It's a fucking, what a division it is. Absolute monster filled division and I can't wait to, to see that fight looks like it's going to be in uh, Boston in August I think they said uh, so yeah that'll be fun looking forward to seeing that let's jump through the rest of the card here uh, the lads on the balance breakdown will be breaking this down uh, Harry and Eno on um, Tuesday morning so check that out the audio will be up on our Patreon and the uh, video will be out on our YouTube so check them out there but uh, we'll quickly run through the card here and also if you fancy signing up to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe mail podcast, uh, please do that because our YouTube channel has still been demonetized. We can get no money through that. It's fucking terrible. So if you'd like to help us out, keep the lights on. Feel free over there. And there's a podcast every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, now Friday as well. So uh, yeah, check all that out. Yan Zhao Nan. Fuck, she's coming from Zhang Weili, taking everything I've been working for, motherfucker. I'm going to fight your fucking ass. Beat Jess Scandraj. Knocked her spark Well not quite spark out I think a few people Calling it nearly savage I, I thought it was grand I thought the, the referee Gave her uh, An opportunity To defend herself She didn't And I think people know How much of a tough note uh, Jessica is Maybe yeah. they're kind of That's coming into it A little bit Yeah it was uh, It was a heavy enough Knockout now And she landed a couple Of hammer fists as well I wasn't expecting this I think most people Weren't expecting this From Yan Xiaonan But very yeah, very I good stuff from her. I wasn't expecting it she really just ran in there chased her across the octagon swing wild punches and just left herself wide open and just basically ran in ran in the force of the punch and the, the forward momentum would have added to the, the impact and you know it was quick there was some quick uh, ground and pound and Although she wasn't, she wasn't knocked out. She she was eating punches and not defending herself, and the ref was telling her to, and she didn't. And yeah, I think it was a it was a fair stoppage. Yeah, I always say as well when you're thinking about a stoppage like that, like ask yourself the question: Did the fighter take one too many undefended punches? And when they do, I think that's a, a good reason to stop it. And I think that was the case here. She'll get the title shot now, I think, and she deserves it. You beat Jessica Andrade in that sort of fashion. 
you deserve the title shot. So that should be a big fight. I don't know if they're going to do it in China or not, but that'd be fucking huge. So yeah, I can't, I can't remember. But when's the last time like Andrade was was taken out like that? I know Blanchfield beat her, but not quite like that. I don't think. I, I don't think she's ever been knocked out uh, Andrade in that, in that fashion. She, she's eleven losses here. I'm looking. Geez, that's a lot of losses, but. Yeah, I don't think she's been taken out like that, and I, not that I can remember anyway. So very good, very good stuff from Yanjan. Um, this Evolve Lopez fight was a very interesting fight. I, 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 uh, I did the preview show with the lads during the week, and I watched a good bit of Evolve going into it with some of his old fights. And honestly, this is you know, I'm talking about a lad who's 17 and 0 now, but. I don't think he's going to get to the very top level, right? And I think he's, this fight showed why. Go on. He's very stiff or very yeah. uh, slow or something. I don't know. There's something janky going on with his style. He doesn't He doesn't look comfortable or something. I don't know. I was expecting a lot more from him. I think he was very lucky to win that fight. I think if Lopez kind of, you know, had a... Had a full, had a full, full, full oh, notice definitely. on the full game game plan. Yeah. He or a full um, camp. He probably would have. He probably would have won that. I, I, I thought he won the first round. I know. I think two judges gave the first round to definitely won that first Evelev. round. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, to me, I thought he definitely won that round. And you know, depending on how close you think those kind of submissions were in the in the third round, like I thought Evelev actually won the round. I don't think they were that close. The the leg lock and stuff. But, a lot of times, I uh, I'm of the mind that these guys don't really know what they're doing with, with leg locks, unless you're like a really leg lock specialist, like a Pal Harris or something like that. So maybe I'm downplaying a little bit too much in my head due to that bias. But yeah, I think it was a really close fight, and you know, if Lopez didn't, if he had the gas to go kind of harder for longer, he probably would have won that fight. A hundred percent. I think on a full camp he wins that fight handily enough. To be honest, he like he was done by about minute six, and he did get a second wind by the by the third round. But still, I, I slightly disagree with you on the third round in that I I did give it to Valev as well. But the reason I gave it to him, I thought the knee bar was actually pretty deep. You could see him grimacing and he was trying to pull it. Like that's what you need to look for in those. No what, what the what the submission is. But if, if you're in that, like, that for that long and it, nothing has exploded in your knee, then it's, I don't think it wasn't it's that long though, no, and it was at the end of the round as well. I, like the reason I didn't give him the round is for the Kimura. Like the Kimura was on, but like who's getting fucking submitted by a Kimura in in this day and age? And he was just kind of like he was waiting in the position, and then he kind of just got out of it. I, like if he had have just kind of landed a few decent shots there, you know. Yeah, I thought, I thought if Olaf had done enough to be in enough of a lead that. It was very close. I was a toss of a kind, and like I think the knee bar was the highest scoring thing in the whole round. It was the closest to coming uh, to the end of the fight. Like uh, a toss of a kind, really. I like if someone had scored that for Lopez, I would not have argued one second. I I was very close to giving it to him myself. I was just thinking that that Kimura just wasn't enough for me. But God, he looked very good in the first round. The armbar attempts landed the better shots. I like. I don't see an argument for Ivan. Yeah, I was actually expecting like a. Probably to be a split decision, and you know, I I was expecting it to to when it said thirty twenty seven, I was I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. uh, to know what was going on. Yeah. So yeah, I could I could if somebody's making an argument as you said for the third round and first round, then yeah, that's that's a fair argument in my opinion. Indeed, let's talk about. Uh, well, we'll we'll move quickly through this, but Cran Gracie, like what? Uh, we we uh, let's talk about UFC level for a second. Cron he's, he's, he's like a wish wish dot com. Um, Ryan, what's Ryan Hall? Yeah, he's not even that. He's just, he's just terrible. Like just useless. Like he he didn't useless. even look. He's, he, like he should be in a different weight class. And he, he, yeah, I think those days are gone. Where like 
you're so like even when even when the opponent gets on top of you, they're not that afraid of your submissions when you they've worn you down a little bit because everybody knows how to defend like you know the the main submissions and aren't going to get caught and you're getting punched in the face and it's just a different game than jiu-jitsu and having just jiu-jitsu and basically nothing else not even takedowns like pulling guard and hoping for the best and hoping you can get a sweep it's as you as you get towards anywhere near the top level it's just it's just those days are gone i think it, it was like an aikido master fighting against a real fighter like that's what it was and that's what like that's what base level jiu-jitsu is these days basically it's aikido like like you you can use it if you have everything else but like just jiu-jitsu alone and i've been saying this for a long time and i think people you know everyone's smart to it now but it's not going to work like and like charles Jordan, yeah, like ryan ryan hall great. actually like as a comparison has some kicks he has yeah. some setups like he can get a takedown he's he's not just reliant on like oh let me let me get uh on my back here in guard and hope this guy makes a mistake and i can i can capitalize that's just, uh, it's just and he got, work he got there he got there he got he pulled out like jordan he couldn't do anything great. at all with it he couldn't even get no. the angle to do anything it was just terrible like to ask and like to even get into that position shows how you know limited of a fighter the Charles Jordan is like if we're being honest to, to get into that position against someone that bad like just jab the head off him and punch him like Cron Gracie shouldn't have gotten near him but he did multiple times and he could still do nothing about it like Cron Gracie's like this is a 145 Paul Hughes is sitting there fucking at home watching this and Cron Gracie is in the UFC like put put Paul Hughes in there against Charles Jordan We'll see how that goes because I there'll only be one winner in that fucking fight. Well, he, well he's, he's there because he's Gracie, isn't he? Like, really? Yeah, he's no business being there, and this will be his last UFC fight. Like, you can't put it, you can't put him in there again. Like, there's no way. He's just horrible, awful. Anyway, uh, and just while we're talking about horrible and awful, what about that Braxton Smith? Fuck me, Parker Porter. He made Parker Porter look like fucking Fedor's. <laughs> so bad. He, he, uh, he's like Sean Sheen levels of cardio, just absolutely fucked after about 50 seconds. Horrible, horrible. Someone who didn't look horrible though was Matt Frivola, who I picked in my flyer of the week row over my betting show, plus 600 to get the knockout. Absolutely delighted. Um, Drew Dober has been looking for one of these. Like he's been going hell for leather with fucking everyone. Lads that hit really, really hard. And uh, Matt Frivola just had too much dynamite in that right hand and landed it and uh, and finished him. It was a great win for Frivola, who'll move forward yeah. now. Another one where kind of Drew Dober popped straight back up and was like, I'm grand, I'm grand, and was kind of moving around. But then he tried to like kind of stand and you could see him kind of wobble. You know, he definitely got hit hard. Maybe it was a little bit early. Like, you know, guys get wobbled in fights and things like that. Like, you know, maybe he, he would have a bit of an argument there. But I think if it had it went on, it would have been just, you know, two or three more shots and it would have been, would yeah. have been uh, more, it would have been conclusive. I... I didn't even think about that. And Ian texted me about it, like, what do you think of the stoppage? I went back and I watched it. And I could see the argument after the initial right hand. But then the referee did give him the opportunity. He did land a few more shots. And I think in the end, it was actually pretty good stoppage, if I'm being honest. It, would, it was like the middle part of it that Dober looked okay if you'd stopped it there. Yeah, but I think I think he did give him the opportunity. So I have I've no problem with it. But yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. It was definitely a debatable one. Um... 
Kennedy and Joko then does what Kennedy and Joko does. Wait till he gets hurt and then goes, okay, I'll start fighting. <laughs> I'll start fighting now and destroyed him. And looked a bit better, I think, even. is looking better all the time. Good good win there over uh, over Devin Clark. Chaos Williams fought some fell off the street, won a split decision. Verna Janderoba looked very good in beating Marina Rodriguez. She's right up there towards the title pitcher now as well. Phil Hawes got absolutely decimated by Ikram Ali Askarov. Uh... I, I, I was thinking to myself last night, this lad was so good, I might remember who he is tomorrow. And like he was, he was very good. Just absolutely smashed him with a one through, one two down through the middle. And uh, Claudio Ribeiro got a win as well over Joseph Holmes. Demetrius Johnson, Graham. Did, I, did you see this fight? It was. Um, it was pretty good, uh, Demetrius. Look, it was one of those fights as well. This fight was scored as a whole. And uh, I, I think um, my guy from MMA on point, Jason Hartley, was saying, like, if this wasn't scored as a whole, if it was scored round by round, Demetrius probably would have lost this fight. But as a lot of people, I think, did point out as well, well, if it was scored round by round, Demetrius and Marais probably would have both fought differently, which is uh, also very, very true. But on the scoring system, Marais, um, that one championship have, Demetrius... Definitely deserved to win this. It was a great performance by him. Um, he uh, Early, Marais did well for the first couple of rounds. Demetrius won the third and fourth, even though they're not scoring the rounds. And in the fifth was relatively close, but probably Marais just shared it. But Demetrius landed much the better shots in the third and fourth. Um, he looked to have the more power than Marais. He looked to uh, to be hurting Marais, and Marais was tiring, whereas like in the first couple of rounds, it was just barely kind of Marais ahead, but Demetrius really took the initiative and took the lead. And I um, I don't know about you, Graham, but I would love to see Demetrius Johnson retire now. Honestly, I think uh, he's fighting... So one championship, obviously, do this, you know, this uh, hydration test and all of this. It's it, they call it flyweight, but it's really one thirty five. So he's fighting above his weight class. He's so you could see just looking at the at them throughout the three yeah. three fights, like this way different. bigger. Maurice is just way bigger than him, but also like fighting at a weight class, which allows him not to be drained and tra- and even do you know what? I actually think he is a little bit drained because he'd probably be fighting at one forty five maybe uh, if he wasn't, but. Yeah, like, there's no doubt about it. Demetrius Johnson, in my opinion, the best fighter of all time, not my opinion, a fact. The greatest of all time, in my opinion. Other people can have a different opinion on that. But he's 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 not that anymore. He's just so good that he can beat a guy who's basically fucking two weight classes above him uh, in a different scoring system under a different rule set. He's still good enough to beat him. And a world-class fighter as well. And Marais, don't get it twisted how good fucking Marais is. Um, uh, you know, after already losing to him, just shows the greatness of Demetrius Johnson. He, I, I wax lyrical about DJ all the time, and I don't do it enough. That's how great he is. This lad yeah. deserves so much fucking credit. Now, now he's avenged the loss, you know. And is there anything left for him to do? You know, he's done oh. absolutely everything you could do, and you know, multiple weight classes and things like that. So, you know, I don't know. Do you know him much? Uh, for like approximately, or is there any kind of? Numbers been thrown out about how much Demetrius Johnson is making per fight with one. I'm not sure, but I think he was on a lot more than he was in the UFC anyway. So I think he's on good money. You know, mm. so maybe he'll want to stick around and maybe. make a few make a few more million before he retires. But if he chooses to retire now, which he probably won't, it's MMA. It, it would be you know, there's nothing left to do, and I've I've proven myself, and you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard mark to 
you know, as you said, people, you know, can argue about the greatest of all time, but you're going to have to do a lot to be ahead of Demetrius Johnson in terms of achievements. Yeah, and in terms of just what he's looked like as a technical fucking master throughout his career, there's none, none in comparison, I think. But I, I think, like, for Demetrius throughout his whole career, you know, and we, we talk about Francis and this, but Demetrius is like, he's cared about money, but he's also cared more about himself I think and being a mix uh, being a martial artist than anything else and I think like if he thinks it's time he will walk away and I also think he's one of those guys that if he does retire he won't come back and like he's he's very very smart or he'll say look I'll take a bit of time I'll take a year out or whatever maybe well, he, if he's in a unique case in terms of most fighters where he actually has like other other kind of things yeah. to keep him occupied you know he mm-hmm. has I don't know much about his twitching and or his twitch streaming and all that stuff but he, he seems to have a big following on that and it's you know he, he, he was happy enough to kind of you know some guys want to stay in the UFC all the time he was happy enough to go explore and do different things so maybe he's the kind of character that could retire happily and not be itching to come back with, within a year or two yeah do you do you, um do you watch this uh, Muay Thai and, and uh, Jiu Jitsu stuff that's on these cards, Graham? Or do you stay away from it? No, you just, no. You don't watch any. I, I, do you know what? I kind of, uh, I like. You've, you've it. been, you've been taken I've in. Been, I've been taken in. I've been taken oh, in. There's a few lads on it. Like I won't tune in for all of it, but if Rod Tang is uh, is fighting and Muay Thai is a fight, I don't. I, you know, we call boxing a fight now, and maybe kickboxing are about, but uh, Muay Thai is a fucking fight. He's an absolute. Beast, and I like Mikey Musamechi as well. Himself and McGahan is the fight to make, but uh, or the 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 grappling match to make. But uh, yeah, I like it. I like the way one championship uh, kind of mixed things up. But anyway, I talked about that loads. But yeah, good wins for the two of them. Stamp looked brilliant. She got the KO with the liver kick. Fucking Ryan Garcia fell fell on his fell on his knee uh, at home watching that one. Um, brilliant win for her and. Uh, uh, Chattery told me uh, when I interviewed him last week that they're going to make it an interim title obviously due to the circumstances around um, uh, the, the Lee family there and Stamp will be in line for that I think so and you know she she deserves it too she's been on a, a great run looked even better here what about Saldic though Saldic got knocked out by Sebastian Kadistam it's funny yeah, he coming looked very one dimensional and uh, I know it didn't last long but he didn't look great at all there, so I wonder if there was something going on or if we, I don't know. That was that was a bad performance, I thought. Yeah, it wasn't great. I think there's a lot of pressure coming in on him here as well. Like he, he you know, it was a weird first fight with the broken cup and all and the no contest. He didn't get the fight, uh, uh, whatever his name is, Razamanov again. Uh, and then they put him in against Kadasam, who's like, it's a very good matchup for him in terms of like, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a striker matchup. He struck with him. He had a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, good good points in the first round. Won the first, you know, round, even though it's not scored as rounds. But you get what I mean. And then Kadasem just kind of stayed there, stayed there, stayed there. As you said, very one-dimensional, just throwing the left hook all the time from Saldic. And then he got caught with that big elbow. And he kept going for another minute or so, but it was over by the time that elbow was landed. Um, and it was a yeah, it was a poor enough performance from Saldic. Look, we've seen this before from him against uh, Dirkus Duplessis. He came back and he won the rematch. I wonder, did they do the rematch here again? Maybe they make that Ramazano fight. I'm, I'm not sure what they're doing, him, but it's been a very tough start to the, the career in one championship for, for Saldic. But you have to remember as well with Saldic, He's, what, 24 fights into his career now. This guy has had, like, 
top level UFC fights outside of the UFC for years now so it's very hard to keep that up I suppose and uh, I'd be interested to see what uh, what happens here and how he bounces back and you know I favoured Solidge massively here in, in the boxing match but I also I've watched Kadisam a good few times and this guy is a legitimate top fighter and uh, hits very very hard and uh, if you get hit by him that's what fucking happens and back to the drawing board I think for uh, Roberto Solidge and that one um Sage Narcot, I don't. Yeah, the uh, uh, go, kind of goes against what I was saying earlier in the Evelov fight, but yeah, what doesn't go against it? But when Sage came down, uh, went for the leg lock, I was thinking, ah, Sage probably doesn't know what he's doing here <laughs> with the heel hook. Got and it. Yeah. All of a sudden, he was stopping pretty quick. Yeah, he and he did it well. Like as well, he caught on to it and he he kept turning with it. Mushtaba tried to defend as well as you can, wasn't able to do it. And it was thirty nine seconds, so there isn't too much uh, to talk about in this, but. Like, I picked Mushtaba coming in. I thought he would win. I thought his wrestling would be too good for Sage. He did take him down and all. But Sage caught him in that heel hook and submitted him. And I'm interested, like, because, you know, four years away from the cage, Sage as well. His jiu-jitsu was not great before that. But maybe he's been working a lot on jiu-jitsu uh, in that it's time. It's a very good sign because when he got yeah. taken down, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> this, this isn't looking good. But, uh, yeah, obviously that's a good sign that he has been working on things. I know he's had a lot of injuries and sometimes... You know, it's it's hard to kind of develop your game when you're when you're constantly kind of injured and things like that. But he like the signs are good from that very short uh, sample size we have there. Yeah, indeed, and uh, a great win for him. I I just wonder who they put him in against next. I don't know uh, who who they'll find for him. They, they were trying, supposed to do the Shinya Aoki fight. Maybe they they could do that again. But uh, you know, that, that, I think that'd be not bad matchmaking. To be honest, let's see. Uh, Anglin Asang then got a great win as well. A, a quick guillotine in the second round against Rong Fang. Uh, Rene Derrida went to a decision with Tyree Atolo in the in the grappling. Fair play to him. And uh, Okra Young, the former champion, with a great win over uh, Lohan Tynanis, um, who is a very, very good wrestler. So, you know, if the, the belt held by Christian is also going to be not necessarily vacated, but there's going to be an interim belt, I think Oak will be in that conversation. And uh, Kyrat Akhmatov as well beat Reese McLaren uh, in the flyweight division. So he faced off with Demetrius after the main events of Demetrius does fight again. That, I think, will be the fight. Um... That was this weekend. Let's talk about next weekend, Graham. The big fight for us next weekend is Ian Gary, who is taking on Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, and this is a massive, massive, massive step up for Ian Gary. He's never fought anyone at this level before. You know, um, Rodriguez has beaten Kevin Lee. He's beaten uh, Lee Zheng Yang. He's beaten Mike Perry. He's been in there with Neil Magny. He's been in there with Nicholas Dalby. Tim Means, beaten Tim Means, beaten, you know, some very, very, very good guys. And it's a big step up for Ian Gary. If he wins it, he'll be borderline top 15 here, I think. How do you see the fight going, Graham? What do you think of it? Do you think it's the right time for this step up? Yeah, I think it probably is. I think, you know, I think it's going to be a tough fight for him. I think he'll have enough to win, but it's definitely a, it's definitely a big step up. I probably expect it to go to a decision. I think Ian will have to be careful. You know, if, he's, if he gets hit with big shots early, like we've seen him a couple of times, you know, it, it could go a different way, but I think he has the, the composure and the, the patience and the all-round game to, to get this done. But, I, you know, I think this is there's going to be some adversity. There's probably going to be some adversity here again to overcome or at least everything's not going to, he's not going to have it all his own way. And it, it's definitely, a, it's, as you said, it's definitely a step up. And it's, uh, you know, you need these steps to prove where you are and to, to make those steps. And uh, hopefully Ian Gary's able to get it done. And, you know, if he does, if he does beat Daniel Rodriguez, then, 
you know, he'd definitely be looking at a, a, a ranking or fighting a, a ranked guy to get into the rankings next. So, yeah, this is this is kind of where we get to see uh, where, how good the real Ingari is. And I expect him to go out there and get the job done. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see who they match him up against next. But, you know, if it, if it went the other way, I wouldn't be too shocked. You know, this is this is a high level. Uh, these guys in the UFC, he's fought some, some, like, you know, he's beaten Kevin Lee, as you said. Uh, obviously, in his last uh, outing, he, he lost to Neil Magny. But, you know, Neil Magny's a very difficult matchup for anybody. And especially on his day, he's a very difficult guy. Lee, he beat by decision as well. So he's definitely no easy matchup. And, and it's a very interesting one. And I expect him to get it done. But, yeah, this is, this is definitely, uh, we're definitely going to have questions. I, asked and answered that we haven't before i i think this the step up is the big issue here right and when we t- say step up you know when you fight a someone who has a name who's been around for a long time so but you're stepping up from keenan song you're stepping up from gabe green you're stepping up from darian weeks who are you know good fighters but that is a very very big level of a step up like I thought they were going to move and not to say he's not going to be ready for it but I think that's the biggest issue here and the biggest possible pitfall I thought they were going to step him up against someone say like a Tim Means and if you fought Tim Means and then Danny Rodriguez that would have made a lot more sense I think and it would have been a lot more of a of a, a move the other thing as well we talked about it with Gilbert Burns you know it's it's only two months of a turnaround from his last fight, and he got hit and knocked down hard the first round in that fight as well. I'm sure he had to take a bit of time after that uh, off after that as well. But Ian Gary stays in shape and he's training all year round and all like that. So I I, I wonder will it be a big issue? I think probably not. I think that he should be okay on that. But the other side of it, maybe uh, those are the negatives out the way. Looking at the positives, I I think they both tried to fight in a similar sort of way. You know, they're good technical strikers who try to win kind of every second of the fight and control the pace control the fight and this is about who is going to be able to control that pace control the distance control the fight um i think ian uses his lint very well uses his jab very well and i think that's going to be a massive key here if he can use that jab and not take shots behind it i think he'll win I think he's on to a real winner here. I think it's as simple as that. Get your combinations going while being defensively sound against Daniel Rodriguez and you win it. Now, he did that the last fight as well. He got hit once only nearly, and it was it was a very big shot. You take a big shot like that against Daniel Rodriguez, and you're probably not getting back up because this guy can hit. So I think Ian's going to have to be perfect here. It's, as I said, a massive step up, but he's been looking for a step up. You know, he's really been looking for a step up. Ian Gary's, his ability is is fantastic. He's well able for it. And as you said, Graham, win or lose, like he could, this is a, a very, very big f- fight for him, a very, very tough matchup. He'll be back again, even if he loses. Like, I, I truly believe that. I think he's, the the impression he has made, um, the improvements he has, uh, impression he's made in the UFC, the improvements he has made in his game are something that will continue to go on. And I look, I'm picking him here. I think he'll beat Daniel Rodriguez, and I think it'll probably be, a, you know, uh, uh, did you say go the decision? I think it'll probably be the same. I think he'll he'll uh, beat him over a decision. Um, and I'm just very interested to see how much um, Rodriguez can kind of push him. And if he can kind of, you know, pin up his collar a little bit and, and see, you know, to see the way Ian Gary reacts. We've seen in the past, you know, he's reacted very well to all, uh, every time something has gone bad against him, which has not been, uh, not been much because he's been very good at controlling fights and winning fights. But like, we, Ian, like Ian Gary's technical ability is very good. And I've said it uh, in his most recent fights, if he can 
put that technical ability which he has really refined over his last few fights with a bit of that killer instinct that he he also has I, uh, I I fear for other people in that division on the way up. And if Daniel Rodriguez gets that as well, it could be a tough night for him. But it could be a tough night for Ian as well if Daniel Rodriguez shows up. It's a great fight, a very, very good fight. But yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Ian Gary will have enough to do it. And uh, we'll say it again, what a fucking time it's been for Irish MMA. And if Ian Gary wins this, by God, it'll be a, it'll be a bright summer. There won't be a cow milk in Dublin next Saturday night if he does it. Johnny Walker as well on this cargram, another Irishman. Jesus, it's fucking brilliant. He's fighting Anthony Smith. If he wins that, we're talking about uh, we're talking about title uh, title pitchers. I, I think the new more uh, I use the word refined there. I think the new more refined Johnny Walker will have enough to beat Anthony Smith. To be honest, um, I I like the fight. Honestly, I, like, I think it's a good fight. How how do you see this one, Graham? Do you think? Uh, it's hard to yeah. know with Smith. If he turns up, he could put it, you know, put it to Johnny Walker. But if he doesn't, I say Walker will definitely have enough. Yeah, I think Smith's going to be strong early. I think you know he he was meant to fight Jamal Hill. Uh, you know, so this is a huge fight for Johnny if he can win it. Uh, for both guys if they can win it. You know, Johnny it took a little bit of kind of teething problems, changing his style from being like a kind of crazy, crazy horse to a bit more implementing a bit more strategy and kind of uh, patience into his game. But he he looks like he's kind of put it together and you know at the right time for for this fight. And I you know obviously it's, it's a bit of a step up from uh, Kutalaba and Paul Craig, but. Um, I think he's looked very good uh, recently. Johnny has, and uh, I see the odds are really close. I see both guys have the potential to finish each other, but I just see Johnny being too big, too strong, and too powerful as the fight goes on. Like if he can avoid kind of uh, a bit of an early storm uh, that Smith m- might might bring, I think as as the rounds go on, I think uh, Johnny's Johnny's uh, power and um, just uh, quickness should be enough to. To, to get him a win here, maybe by a finish or a, a decision. Yeah, indeed. Looking forward to seeing that one. It's gonna, it's gonna be an interesting night for us watching this at home. We, we've, uh, you know, we'll be getting texts from the the Irish crew all around the place, whether good or bad after this. Anyway, so it's yeah. very, very good. Anthony Smith, another guy, one of them guys I've kind of underestimated a lot. Uh, like I've picked against him a lot, so maybe that'll come back to, to bite me. There's a few of those guys going there around. Is, yeah, who's who are the other ones? We Glover, we did Jan Bohovic. Uh, no, Glover used to always pick. pick I think yeah. that one got confused. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was Jan and and somebody else. I can't remember who else. Look, these things happen in MMA. Do you think Jerzinho Rosenstruck has any chance against Jelton Almeida? I think Jelton's going to destroy him, if I'm being honest. What do you think? Yeah, he, he has an early puncher's chance. Uh, you know, uh, big big punchers in this division, it, it can end that quickly. But yeah, I think I think it's, it's, it's unlikely. And if he is going to get it done, he'll have to get it done very early. And I think, you know... Yeah. People are aware of kind of his uh, his danger and his um, the holes in his game. So yeah, it should be uh, you know if he doesn't get it done early, he'll probably end up kind of getting getting beaten down and finished or, or dominated. I'm just looking here. This card is on at eleven thirty a.m. Eastern time, so it's like what half four for us, is it? Uh, that's probably going to be clashing with real sports, so that's not great. But anyway, we'll 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 take an early night. It's a pretty half four in the card. afternoon. Yeah, half four in the afternoon. Yeah, Mad, oh really? Yeah, it's a pretty good card. It's it's an it's um ABC card. I think is that correct? Yeah, it is. So it's on the big uh the big uh, network channel over in America. So big for them. But you know, Mackenzie Dern, Angela Hill is on it as well. Tim Means, Morono, Matt Brown, Court McGee. This is actually really like a pretty good card uh, I like the Carlos Olberg Ehar Bateria fight uh, as well and uh, yeah so there's a 
some good stuff on this. I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to seeing it. Um, before we finish up, this Bellator coming up as well. Yeah, that's what I was just baby and Edwards Musasi. Who, who are you picking? <sighs> I did my preview show there. I recorded it yesterday or the day before, and I. I think I picked Fabian. <laughs> I was one of those ones that I remember saying on the previous. I was like, I be- oh no, Jesus, who did I pick? I don't know who I picked. No, I picked Masassi, I think. I was like, I better write it down. And uh, yeah, I like, I don't know. I think it's a close enough fight. Like if Musasi turns up and he looks like Musasi from a year ago yeah, or two absolutely. years ago, I think he'll win. Two but. or three years ago. Even, you know, he is inconsistent sometimes, but, you know... Fabian Edwards definitely has so much potential and so much ability. He just needs to let it go. And, you know, this is exactly what I the, said. <laughs> you know, maybe the win over Machida and uh, like that might give him some confidence. But, you know, he's he's won two in a row. Like, uh, obviously, <sighs> Musashi's had a lot of fights. Is he as motivated as the, as Fabian Edwards is here? Nearly killing Leon there again. Um, it's a really difficult one, one for me to, to call. It depends on kind of which version of both guys turn up. Yeah, I believe if Fabian Edwards wins this as well, that he will be fighting Johnny Eblen for the title in Ireland. Um, that's, I think, what they're looking at. Now, that's obviously not official or anything, but I think that's what they're looking at. So it's a massive fight for him because, like, he wins that. Didn't, there's only a short hop over from Birmingham. He could have a massive, um, you know, hometown advantage, if you want to put it that way, uh, against Eblen, which he'd probably need because Eblen is a monster. But if Musassi wins... He just got destroyed by Eblen like a year ago. Like, I don't know. I, this fight, I love the fight. I think it's a very good fight. But it makes no sense matchmaking-wise, I don't think. It's just, it's a weird one. Well, uh, if, if Fabian wins, <laughs> I think Beldo would be a lot happier. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, But uh, why do you even need to put Fabian in here? Like, Just give him the title shot straight away. Like, I, I don't know. It made no sense. But the weird thing about this as well is uh, Costello Van Steenis is also on this card. He has a win over Fabian he's fighting Douglas Lima that's a very good win as well so maybe if he does win that that's another, that's another hard fight to call as well there's some hard fights to call yeah. on this Bellator card, it's very it's, good it's, card. I like that when it, you know it's hard to it's hard to know how these fights are going to look yeah I like I was going through and I was like this is kind of snuck up on me how good of a card it is like that Mansour Banui against um, Brent Primus fight that's a fucking good card, good fight yeah. bottom. and Asail Juge yeah. against uh, George Sasu uh, I'm sure <laughs> Brett Johns is delighted to be buried on the, the prelims as well. Yeah, uh, Jesus. Not getting any love again. He's in kind of the, the Brian Moore kind of uh, matchmaking uh, category for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Asahil, you know, he's a big prospect at SBG Ireland, a really, really good striker. We've seen him in the uh, Bellator Dublin shows recently, uh, showing his all-round game. You know, his opponent hasn't been fighting that regularly uh, over the last few years. You'd expect him to go out and, and look good here, but he's definitely, you know, if people haven't been paying attention to Asael, I think I think uh, he's a very, very good prospect. Indeed. Uh, there's also a KSW card next week. Our guy, Sean Dini, I'm sure we'll have, uh, we'll have a preview for that. There's a few names that people probably know on it. Donovan Desme is on it. Uh, Brian High is on the card. Loads of lads whose name I can't pronounce are on the card. Sebastian Pripska, who's a good fighter at uh, £135. So, um, yeah, there's a, a lot of mixed martial arts, as there always is. So, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that, Graham. It's... Um, yeah, it's a fucking... How uh, nervous out of 10 are you for um, Man United's run-in in the Premier League starting today? Um, as you know, I'm very, very negative. 
So not that nervous. I'm kind of like resigned to the fact we're gonna, not going to get it. I'm more. Nervous. Uh, you're just you're just saying that they're going to give I yourself know, a, an I'm out, a men, mental out, so it won't That's, break your heart so much if it does happen. <laughs> I I 100 understand. I am not above doing that. <laughs> but I actually I have I've lost faith. We've too many injuries, and I just don't think we're that good. But do you know what? I, I'm more worried. If about Harry Maguire starts, there's a uh, chance. Yeah, well, you, there's always a chance if Harry Maguire. Get starts. him in there till the end of the season. Get yeah. the get the beloved comedy duo of Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire back together no please don't I'm more worried about remember we were talking about the hurling last week the Munster Championship it's mad there's been two games right there's five teams and not one of the teams has won two games Mad! It's how fucking competitive it is. Oh, Every Limerick aren't out when they lost there, no? I no, thought they no, were out when they lost that last week. It's around Robin, so all five teams have to play each other, and uh, the top two go into the Munster final, and the, the one more goes into. Ah, uh, Jesus! They give you loads of chances. Play, to get there. Uh, football is worse though, but the hurling is the best. The Munster Championship is absolutely unfucking believable. Limerick are not playing for another two weeks now. They're playing Tipperary, and that's that's a must-win game. If Limerick lose that, they're they're not out, but they're as good as out. So. It's uh absolute and tip the, the the farm team this year, so it's a it's a big one. It's a big one. We look uh, look forward to it and uh, exciting yeah. times down in Limerick. Exciting. Well, it was exciting times for the last few years. I'm not sure our best player got injured. Our two best players actually both got injured. One well, let's, let's see the what they can do. Inj- couple of injuries. You, Sean Chia, talked about a couple of injuries. If if the team is so good, blah blah blah. No. No, we are. I'm, just, I'm just saying. You like, should show two, what they're really made of. Our and, two and, best and again, players. Are you not confident in your boys? Imagine if Van Dyke and Salah both got injured. Like you'd be in. You know, wouldn't be great for sure, Liverpool. Sure, Van Dyke got attempted leg amputation, and he hasn't been the same since. Ah, he hasn't. Like Jesse Square slow now, though, isn't he? Fucking it's, hell. He can't accelerate. It's no. just like he's just stuck in the mud. It's like the odd time he actually accelerates, and you're like, oh, maybe he's back. And the next game, he's like stuck in the mud. Who again. was it, your man uh, in Buemo? The last day, just like waltzed yeah, past him. Over. He just yeah. like skidded like five yards and then fell. It was like, what is going on? <laughs> he was like, he, yeah. he caught a bit of fucking ice on the pitch. Uh, the other one, the like the Michael Jackson meme, but that was from the game beforehand, uh, before that as well, wasn't it? He's getting done now and everything. Yeah, he, it looked like he's actually injured himself falling over. It was like, <laughs> we need to sort out your boots here, mate. You're sliding all over the place. What's going on? Uh, stop. Like Liverpool are terrible, but Man United, like we're both just terrible now. We're at like the same level of shitness at the no, moment. Nah, Liverpool season has been like disastrous. Man United season has been uh, all right because yeah. it's like the first season with the new manager and stuff. We like that. Liverpool were expecting well, stuff, to be. Yeah to be challenging for the title like you know Man United fans got a little bit carried away before Liverpool beat them 7-0 talking quadruples and title challenges and stuff never happened like, well, yeah, at least yeah. you were no Man United fans were claiming like maybe no, you weren't personally no one was that, it's there, just was talk, you, there was talk there was talk I saw it I was watching we could win the double there. we could still win the double Graham still win it. yeah you could you could you could yeah so um, yeah you know um, yeah I think Man United season's been better as long as they would you rather Man United completely, completely bottle it and drop out of the Champions League? That would be an absolute disaster. Would you rather Man United win the FA Cup or uh, City win the treble? Um, uh, see, with City, it's a difficult one because it doesn't really count in my mind. It's not really real. It's just like uh, they, they cheated, like um, or charged with cheated or whatever they allegedly cheated. And, you know, I'd been talking about this for years. It was kind of blatantly obvious what was going on. Everybody who was kind of looked into it at all had knew what was going on, and uh, it doesn't really count. But I also really, really don't like Man United. <laughs> really, <laughs> really don't like them. So, like, 
<laughs> if City are going to beat Man United, they wanted to humiliate them like 8 0 or something like yeah. that. So ah, that, no, that would not 8 6 0. Just like, nah, seven, nah, like no something maybe historic like a 12 0 or something uh. would be good. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> if Harry Maguire's playing, I'd Harry Maguire and, and, uh, <laughs> I uh, Luke Shaw bumping into each other, falling over, and all would be hilarious. Oh, God. I, if I ever see Harry, like Harry Maguire and Fred, like. Just leave me be, like, what have I done to deserve this fucking shit? Like, Jesus, leave me be, please. Anyway. See, Fred, Fred like, once once every 10 games, he puts in, like, a really good game, and people are like, oh, yeah, this is about Fred. We love Fred. And then the next game, he's just, like, absolutely diabolical. Fred is weird, all right. Fred can be diabolical for 30 minutes, and in for the last 15 minutes and a half, he's smashing a goal, or he's just running the yeah, game. Yeah, I was actually thinking, he scores the odd goal out of nowhere. He's, like, playing he's a, terrible, and then he just rifles one in the top corner. He's a like, brilliant free kick. Here? He's, like, Man United's best free kick taker. He hasn't scored one yet, but he's only taken, like, three, and he's almost scored every single fucking one of them. It's, he's, Fred is the weirdest player of all time. Like, he's, he's both good and absolutely useless at the same time. Like, right, are mad. you expecting Ten Hag to make, like, mass changes in the... In the summer, like to kind of go back to his style that he's kind of had before, or do you think he's kind of just trying to kind of build around the core he already has and maybe keep keep away from his kind of philosophy? If the club is bought and he has money, I think he will make. Like you, I don't think you can make mass changes, but I think he'll probably buy four or five players, you know, uh, which is needed. Four or five starters or Uh, what players? So like. It depends. Like, I think if, if Varane and Martinez are back fit, I think he'll start both of them. I think he'll buy a right back. I think he'll buy a, another midfielder. I definitely buy a starting striker, hopefully, anyway. So, I think is Harry like, Maguire going to be shipped out, do you think, or is he going to be the backup centre back? Like, Lindelof's a decent backup centre back. Lindelof's a very good backup, yeah. And, like, when, when Lindelof is not with Harry Maguire, he looks good like <laughs> I think people like think of Lindelof as terrible because oh, Harry Maguire's on the pitch just feels like the room's on fire like <laughs> <a> just- <laughs> but like Harry Maguire takes four touches where one is necessary and he just ruins the whole game it's like what are you doing man like he's awful but uh yeah I uh it all depends. Like, if the club isn't sold, then he'll be able to buy no one. Like, maybe he'll be able to buy one player. Like, he'd probably have to, like, get a cut-price striker or something like that. Like, I could see us fucking buying... I know we were talking about Ollie Watkins before, but we could... Instead of getting fucking Eichemann or whatever you call him, we're probably going to get Ollie Watkins or someone like I've that. Been, you know, for 50 million. I've been reading a couple of things, read a kind of Bellingham, the Bellingham situation, and it seems that a lot of it comes down to there's going to be a change in, like, um, maximum... It's going to be, like, 3% maximum that a, a non-official agent can can get from a sale so all these players who have like brothers or family members or friends as their manager and aren't officially licensed as like fifa agents are only going to be able to get three percent so these kind of big players these young players like jude bellingham are uh, looking to move quickly this summer before this change comes in the ones that don't have the kind of the super agents so yeah, just, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of movement of players uh, this summer. Liverpool need like. But you didn't give you know, uh, Alexis McAllister your signing him, weren't you? Yeah, well, uh, uh, there's rumours going around that he has a 68 million pound uh, pounds release clause, but I don't know how Seems reliable expensive. that is. Like fo- football media news is just like a cesspit of lies and uh, tweets that are just ready to be deleted if they turn and just guesses and just absolute nonsense and just you know uh, just kind of making assumptions and things like that so it's really hard to know what's going on but uh, uh, McAllister he like I've been keeping a little bit of a more eye on him uh, since he's since he's been linked and stuff like that since the, the summer but uh, I don't notice he's like fit the Liverpool type of player 
I don't know. He seems. He a seems bit, to be like a leader. He seems to be like a nice guy, which is like apparently there's like a big no dickheads policy in the Liverpool. Uh, like, uh, you know, or Ronaldo Klopp, wouldn't be Klopp coming in or whatever. Now. You know what I mean? Klopp is the biggest, <laughs> Klopp the biggest dickhead in world football. You see him yeah, well, fucking head one, 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 one the dickheads, There's enough dickheads. So not, yeah. Don't need any more dickheads. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just, there's going to be a lot of movement. Um, I think this uh, transfer window for a lot for a lot of clubs. Um, if you could buy one player, who would it be? We we'll leave Bellingham. It would have been Jude like, Bellingham. Yeah, it can't yeah. be Bellingham because he's gone. He's turned you down. Ah, uh, it's terrible. I don't know. I, I was hoping that kind of Barcelona's financial crisis would be a little bit worse than maybe it is, or maybe it is worse and it's just being covered up and oh, they might definitely. have to sell like a Gavi or a Pedri or something. But uh, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't look like it. But uh, you know, uh, Gavi would be very nice. There's somebody young like that who's already good. Who, but like Klopp, know, what Klopp did very well was buy lads who we didn't expect him to buy. And they turned into like great players that they fit the program. Like he's not seemingly well, not except for like an Allison and a Van Dyke and yeah. things like that. Where I was, like, like, well, Allison was a li- Allison only had one season, I suppose, of of like kind of top level football before, but he was very very good and like it's never worked. For Brazil and shown himself. It's never worked off for him when he's tried to have players in midfield. Like the workhorses are always what have worked for Liverpool in midfield. Why? Like I don't think McAllister is going to be that. I don't know why he's gotten away from that. Like it's a bit weird. Anyway, uh, so we have Curtis Jones now. Who needs Jude Bellingham? Yeah. We can go Cur- out and like, make, his, make his dad loads of money in Real Madrid. Is Curtis apparently, Jones apparently Real Madrid are this is you know it's hard to know. I think it was Falk, your man Christian Falk, is that his name? Yeah, um, it may be wrong, but uh, he was saying that you know Real Madrid are lining up this like quarter of a million job every year for this for this dad for Jude Bellingham's dad as part of the deal. You know all the ways of getting around getting around this stuff like so. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate the way these things go. And Liverpool, obviously, John Henry and stuff like they've done a great job to try and compete with City. But yeah, it's just uh, you know Liverpool or make a make a wrong move or something doesn't work out immediately or doesn't work out at all. But we'll see what happens with Darwin or whatever. It's a, it's a bigger blow to Liverpool than it is to you know Chelsea have made like how many 50, 50 signings on eight year oh. contracts and all this <laughs> nonsense and they can just kind of go again and do it again as long as they know how to kind of skirt around for a fair play. So. Yeah, does it? Liverpool really, really have to get this transfer window right, and you know, hopefully they do. But obviously, it remains to be seen, and the competition is going to be even stiffer. Newcastle obviously look like they're going to get Champions League and going to make some big signings. Like they're looking, being linked with people like Rafinha and stuff like that, and even being linked with people like Neymar. So like, who knows what they're going to do? And obviously, Chelsea, Arsenal. Man United are all going to be up there. It's 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 getting, it's getting very difficult be, up there. Uh, Arsenal, you know, it depends who they year. where they spend. You know, like no. I, I know Ramsdale's like a hero there, but like they need a better goalkeeper in my opinion. They need another centre back. Uh, Depending, like if they do good business as well, it depends. It's going to be very interesting to see the. Would the you uh, so. would you take Declan Rice? The price of them is going to be, you know, if West Ham had have got relegated, they're not going to get relegated now. It doesn't look like um, <laughs> you never know after this evening. Although, wait, no, they're, yeah, they're if they win this evening, then yeah, I think they're pretty <laughs> much will. already safe. There's too many other teams down there below them, but you never know. But like, the price is going to be too high. I think you have that English uh, premium as well that like. He's Irish, adds like 20, 30 million to, to the price tag. <laughs> I know, but like you know, yeah. he's qualified or whatever. He yeah, comes into I that know, category of satisfying the rules. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I, I'm just like, I just hope Man United get bought out by some oil baron and put 500 billion into it and we're buying fucking Mbappe and Messi and Militao and... Messi, everyone. I don't know if he's... Uh, I'll take good, him, good just for the crack. 
I'm I'm shining Garnacho's boots. That's a didn't he didn't he miss training to go off and like, yeah, get, like yeah. four and a half made in from some... like, we were supposed to have a day <laughs> off. <laughs> I can't remember the story exactly. We were supposed to have a day off, so I just left and we didn't have a day off. Oh shucks. Sorry. I about was that. picking up millions, mate. Come on. Like. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> but yeah. All right, we leave it there, sure. We'll um We'll, uh, uh, before we go as well shout out to our friends over at Manscaped uh, as well use promo code uh, Severe and May get 20% off and free shipping there Patreon yeah, they've been sponsoring us for a long time we really yeah. appreciate obviously yeah. everybody who's bought through and supported us by supporting them and you know keeping keeping the sponsorship going and keeping uh, you know the the lights on as Sean likes to say yeah 100% and like they have the uh, the, the Manscaped crop, crop wipes as well I think they're called those are great to bring around with you, you know. Be sweaty somewhere, giving out, giving out wipe to the brow or a wipe to the underarms or the, the balls, even or whatever. Throw them away. Brilliant things to buy, and you know they're not they're not that expensive either. And the shavers, the whole lot, yeah. Manscaped have done a lot for us, and uh, yeah, if you could support them, it'd be absolutely brilliant. Support us as well on Patreon if you could. Um, the balance breakdown is out Tuesday, as we mentioned earlier on. That's going to be really good. I will have the Q&A out on Wednesday. If you haven't seen any of your questions yet, you can do that over on the Patreon. There's a really good Speaker's Corner coming up this week, Graham. Myself and Harry went deep for about 50 minutes, I think, and I like I was really fucking passionate. I, I genuinely, I'm not even saying this, I think this is the best Speaker's Corner we've ever done. We're kind of talking about like fighter pay and things like that and like how it's basically impossible to make money in mixed martial arts. It's a Honestly, it's a great fucking listen. It's the start of the month, it's on now, so good time. It's literally cost less than a point in Dublin for the, for the whole month so great how, how about there. this I see other I see other people doing this how about this if we get 50 quote tweets with uh, speakers corner in the in the quote tweet of the of this podcast we'll put that out on the the feed for free what do you think Sean sure 50 seems an awful <laughs> lot now 50 seems an awful 50 lot. we're gonna make them work for it come on we have to make them work for it sure so what's what are the exact things we need to do who's still listening at an hour and a half in after the quote tweet uh, quote tweeted the original post on on Spare May's Twitter okay. with uh, speakers corner mentioned in the in the quote tweet yeah okay I, we, we, I think it sounds we, like a we go with, game they, the, the YouTubers play we go with twi- we go with 20 I think 50 is a lot we go with 20 quote eats ah Jay that's a that's, come on ah 20 <laughs> alright we leave it there thank you 20 okay fine fine that's give fine. us a and even if you don't want to do any of that give us a thumbs up if you could write even like a 5 or 10 word um, review on iTunes or whatever that'd be absolutely brilliant I, I, I don't even think I've said this to you Graham but April was the biggest month in the history of the Severe Mail podcast more listens than any other month ever oh which yeah is first, first time here <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic sure, people are probably people probably tuned out like 10 minutes ago when we started talking about uh, Liverpool Man United <laughs> talking about so they're not going to hear any of this there's going to be no quote tweets whatsoever <laughs> people are like on a podcast over they're talking shite now <sighs> next they're talking about fucking Wijnaldum <laughs> five years oh yeah no matter what alright we leave it there so thanks everyone for listening Graham inspirational quote of the week give it to us I love myself better than you I know it's wrong so what should I do wise words we'll see you next Sunday good luck <laughs>